Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is May the 16th, 2018. It is Wednesday. It's hump day. The day we head downhill from here to the weekend. It's also interview day. This is where I bring somebody on the air to tell you about something. And today that someone is one of our great friends, Doc Bones. And that something is modern threats, active shooters, and more. Uh, Doc Bones is a good personal friend of mine, and I, I love having him on the air just because he's a friend. But he's also a hell of a resource. Uh, he and his wife, Nurse Amy, have done a lot for, for, for the preparedness industry. I, w I would dare say there is not another uh, person or couple that has done as much for the medical preparedness side of things as uh, Doc Bones and Nurse Amy. I, it, they're really incredible people uh, and an incredible source of knowledge. Of course, Bones and Amy are both members of our expert council. So as you're listening today, if you want more information on something you hear, it would be a great expert counsel question for Bones or Amy. And I'm going to tell you a secret. People sometimes say, why doesn't Nurse Amy answer more of the expert counsel questions? When you send the question, and if you want to hear from Amy instead of Bones, you need to say so. That's how they. That's the best way I can figure out how they're handling who does what. So. Anyway, we're going to have Bones on in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today, BulkAmmo.com. Look, guys, if, you, uh, if you're going to have guns in your life and you don't have ammo in your life, what do you got? You got really expensive barter items, paperweights, overpriced clubs, something like that. A gun absent ammo cannot do what a gun is designed to do. It can't defend you. You can't train properly with it. You can't put food on the table with it. You see what I'm saying? You need ammo. And you need more than like one box. I, okay, if you got some weird, obscure gun that you don't shoot very often, a box or two of ammo for it is fine. But, you know, for your ARs, for your handguns, for your hunting rifles, the stuff that you rely on all the time, you need to get out and shoot that stuff, train with it, and if you ever need it, you need the terminal tackle to go along with it. So you need to buy your ammo in bulk. You need to get great pricing and great shipping, lightning-fast shipping. In fact, and where do you get that? BulkAmmo.com. It's where I get my ammo, and you should too. They also do a discount for members of the MSB, so check the benefits section of the MSB before you order from, guess where, BulkAmmo.com. Next up today, Self-Reliance Magazine. You know, there's so much information out there today. There really is. It, I, I think it's actually a difficult thing to run an informational blog or media outlet on like the homesteading type of thing, etc., uh, and be successful with it. Because so much information is out there, and so much is put out for free every day. So you have to really raise the bar to be successful as a paid publication in this world today. Well, Self-Reliance Magazine is kind of the handoff between the first generation that did Backwoods Home and the second generation's picked it up and run with it in the modern era. After more than two decades, Backwoods Home closed down for the last time and handed the baton off to the folks at Self-Reliance Magazine, and boy, have they come up with something awesome. It's a quarterly publication, and they do have a lot of great online content. They do a discount for members of the MSB, so check your benefits section before you subscribe. But I'll tell you what, if you want the best publication that I know of in this world today, that it will make taking your time and absorbing that information worth doing, Check out Self-Reliance Magazine at self-reliance.com. Next up, let me remind you real quick before I bring my buddy Joe on the air that you can help support this show by joining the Member Support Brigade. It's really easy to do. Go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Members, you'll see how to sign up. Use the discounts, two of which we talked about today, but there's over 70 of them. Use two or three a year, you'll pay for your membership, and you'll still be supporting the show at a whopping 18.3 cents an episode. If you love this show and you like the work that we do and you want to make sure that we're always here to provide education, entertainment, and really cool guests like we're about to have on, join the MSB. It's the best way to make sure that happens. Again, just go to survivalpodcast.com, click on Members. Prior service military, active service, so prior or active service of any of these things, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or first responders, EMTs, paramedics, etc., things like that, send me an email, jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com, put TSPC service discount in the subject line, and I'll send you a discount code, and you get a discount on the membership. 
Please do that before, not after you join. And if you send me that email and you don't hear back from me in like two days, send it again, send it again, send it again. Something's wrong. I, I respond to those as quickly as I can. I try to check the spam folder a few times a week. TSPC in the subject line will be how I find your email, no matter what it's about when you email me about stuff for the show. Because I go in that spam folder and I search for TSPC. I don't scan it. I can't do it, guys. Let me tell you. I talk about how many emails I get. <laughs> you should see how many spam emails I get. Uh, I'm talking in the neighborhood of 3,000 to 4,000 a day that I have to deal with. And so I run filters on all the stuff that gets... I run searches on all the stuff that gets filtered. And if it doesn't come up in a few different searches, I just delete it. So make sure you put that TSPC in the subject line for anything about the show. And with that, I want to welcome back, into, back to the Survival Podcast, Doc Bones and Nurse Amy. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Thanks, hey, Jack, for having what? us. It is, brother. How are you? A pretty good, oh, man. Good, man. Good, good. Good to hear. Life on the farm. We're so jealous. You have to know that. <laughs> the farm is hot right now. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's brutal out there. Um, so, hey, anyway, guys, um, it's been a while since you guys have been on the show. You guys are on here and there, depending on which one of you takes the question as expert council members. But before we get into kind of the, the, the meat of what we're going to talk about today, could... Uh, Could both of you just real quick introduce yourselves and tell our audience who you are? We could have somebody listen today for the first time. And, you know, son of a gun, luck of the draw, the first thing they draw is you guys. So. Oh, my God, that's so sad. Well, welcome to the Jack Spearco Show, <laughs> the Survival Podcast. Anyway, I'm Amy Alton. I am actually an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. I love gardening, and we... Started on the road to preparedness, and because we're medical, and of course you'll hear my husband in a second as to why we are both medical, we like to teach medical preparedness and disaster first aid, and really got into it because we saw Katrina and said, hey, there's a bunch of people that need help, nobody knows what the heck to do, and sort of took the secrets of the medical language and translated it into English. English. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm that. Joe Alden, MD, and I'm a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, fellow of the American College of OBGYN, and have been in practice for many years and now retired. And what we do now is we have a website uh, on, as Amy said, medical preparedness. It's called Doom and Bloom, not Doom and Gloom, yeah. Doom and Bloom. Dot net, and we're now over, I think, a, a thousand articles, yes. podcasts, and videos on Yay. medical preparedness for disasters and just about everything else. We also wrote the Survival Medicine Handbook, now in its third edition, 700 pages, 150 medical topics, all discussed in plain English as if a disaster has happened and you, the average citizen, are now the highest medical asset left to your family. Right. And that's available on Amazon. You can find it on our website also at doomabloom.net. Amy also produces medical kits. She didn't mention she's so, no. she's so humble. <laughs> and she produces an awesome line of medical kits, probably about 15 or 16 different ones for all sorts of different needs. And you can find those at store.doomandbloom.net. <laughs> I thought a lot about those kits, folks. These are not put together with a bunch of band-aids. It's actually equipment and supplies that you might need based on your specific situation. So, so what you're saying is it's not like the 114-piece uh, first aid kit from Walmart with 99 band-aids in it? Oh. 114 pieces with 99 band-aids. You know, that kit is perfectly fine. If all you do is constantly stub your toe, like right, no right. problem, that is the kit for you. Or paper cuts, if that's paper, your paper major cuts. trauma, then you know <laughs> you definitely need shaving. Maybe yeah. a shaving mix. Hey, you know, I, I used to band-aid yesterday. I cut my finger with a hole saw. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. it wasn't bad. The it most could have been bad. It was to hurt yourself. It was, it was right in the joint of the index finger on my left hand. It was one of those ones where you do it and it hurts, but you don't know what you did. And, and then you're like, I, I don't, I don't think I want to look at this. And then you look <laughs> at it, you go, oh, okay, comfrey and a bandaid, I'm good. But yeah, <sighs> if if it would have been anything worse than that, I would have needed more than the Walmart kit. Yes. If and I, only I could have been there, I could have saved you, Jack. 
That's true. <laughs> to the rescue. Dun, da, da. <laughs> we need you need sound effects. You need that horn. <laughs> and then clomping of like a horse. Because it's <laughs> Texas, right? Oh right, got you. You're, you're to the rescue. We need the coconuts from from uh right. We are so silly. Oh my All gosh. Right. So <laughs> seriously, um yes. phones, you guys you're always traveling around. Amy, did you get him like an RV or something? And he's like some old geezer cruising around now. All this time you're traveling around, are you guys doing something? I mean, uh, we just saw you guys a couple months ago out here in Texas. Uh, what's going on with all the travel? Oh, my gosh. Well, we actually really love to go out because we get a lot of letters, a lot of notes, a lot of emails from people. And it's really cool to go out. And I know you've done the same thing, Jack, travel and meet people face to face, or though a lot of times people travel to see you. <laughs> yeah, we come to your place. But yeah, we travel. We've been from Washington to California. Unfortunately, we're flying and shipping our product or our class supplies to these places. Um, but yes, my husband's dream is to have the RV and drive well, around and teach classes. Well, everywhere. actually, what I what I like is I like a pickup truck, and all they need to do is just to nail in a rocking chair and I would just sit there drool on my shoes like uh, Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes, Granny. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just go around the country, man. That That is what I want to do. Uh, we want to can... meet people. We love meeting people. Meeting we love people. educating. Right. We teaching did, classes. Right, right. We did a suture class and we had people uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. We had people from as far away as, interesting enough, New Hampshire. That was crazy. Come, yeah, she was uh, awesome. She flew from New Hampshire. Flew from New Hampshire to take our class. To so, Atlanta. So we're honored to have the confidence of a lot of nice people. And we, we try to pay it back by uh, trying to meet as many of them as we can. Good for you guys. I Yeah, I did a lot of that, you know, several years ago. And good for you because it's... Well, I think what people don't realize is it's it's not easy. It seems mm. like it's all fun and games, but I mean, you just get home and you're going back out again, and you know, a three day a three day appearance is five or six days out of out of your business. It's it's tough. So good for you guys for taking the time to do it, and hopefully people appreciate it when they get to meet you. Thank you. Well, well we, we, we love it. I yeah. mean, we love just talking to people. We tell people just to come in. I, I don't need them to buy anything if they don't need it. What I want to do is just answer questions because this is like a foreign language. Literally, medical information is a foreign language. It's written with complicated words. In fact, one of the first books that I know Joe and I had to buy when, when he started medical school and I started nursing school was basically a dictionary that tells you right. all of the complicated <laughs> words and what they actually mean in layman's terms. Well, a lot of them are Latin, and everybody that actually spoke that language died. Yeah. yeah right. Right. I mean, I've always been confused as to why we use Latin as a medical language when everybody that spoke it's dead. <laughs> you know what? Well, we, death, we is a, a, death is a medical condition, Josh. <laughs> there's no cure, though, <laughs> for that one. Not yet. Not well, yet, know, right? I, I just want to say we actually um, may be heading out to Hawaii sometime uh, in the next year. We had some people actually call us. Uh, they, I they forget have a group, which island she's a group on. Of people, I think she's on the big Apparently, island. Apparently, there's I think a, that's where Mount Kilauea is. A, where all that a big, There's a big LDS population in Hawaii. I had no idea. She tells me they run like the community center where she lives, and they do canning classes and all these sorts of things. So she said they would be super interested in having some medical classes. So I'm yeah. going to drag him to Hawaii. I was there when I was 10, but as long as it doesn't have a huge eruption and destroy everything, we might be there. I've never been. You know, I'm, I live in a tropical climate, so, I mean, I'm saying to myself, well, you know, been there, done that. But uh, Hawaii is actually a bunch of different ecosystems. It is. They even so have snow. Yeah, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty cool place. So something we might do, of course... The big news is the volcano. We have been writing about oh, yeah. the volcano uh, in Mount Kilauea is causing all sorts of trouble over there. As 17 or 18 fissures have opened up in streets and uh, full of molten lava and stuff like that. A bunch of houses have already been burnt down. And I'll tell you, this: the question is, can you really prepare for a volcano? Uh, it sounds pretty tough. So I've been well, uh, we writing have... about that with some thoughts, of well, course. The, well, the first thing to do is... Is don't build your house <laughs> near a volcano. 
volcano. Near a volcano, yeah. You know that, what? To be fair to that, I was I was just talking about this disaster, and I said that's what everybody's going to say. However, yeah, they did on my YouTube channel. Right? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wherever you are, somebody's going to say that about you because J- Joe and Amy are going to be like, "Yeah, it's freaking uh, it's a hurricane again." And be like, well, "Don't live where hurricanes go." And I, you know, right. people up in in Montana are be like, "We got another blizzard. Don't be where blizzards go." But there's pretty much something everywhere. But volcanoes, that's a uh, Yeah, we're back to the Monty Python reference. My my pre- pre- preparation for a volcano is when it starts making sounds, run away, run away. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. The more space you can put between yourself and a volcano, the better. I think a hundred miles would be awesome. <laughs> would be absolutely. But if you awesome. have a house, it's right. a little scarier. Your, your house, you know? well, you know that uh, there's so much you can do with a wall wall of lava coming at you. But you can't. You actually can. Increase your chances of survival against uh, hazards like volcanic ash and things like that. You can get some N95 respirator masks. Those are important. I think, Amy, you have those uh, yes, on your store. So you, I do. you can take a look at some pictures of those uh, and so that you don't breathe in this stuff. And, and, of course, your vehicles, too, get clogged up with all this ash. It, it's just amazing. In areas where there is a lot of ash fall, it looks like, the sn- it looks like undead snow. It's like this, instead of white... It's like this gray, but it 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 forms drifts and it and it it's and also, heavy like snow. It's it's like tiny little shards of glass. Right. As a matter of fact, it's the scariest two, right, thing. 2000, we're not just talking about like wood ash here. We were in Germany in 2010, and as we were uh, supposed to make our way Heading back to the U.S., airport. right, to back to the U.S., <laughs> they canceled the entire uh, every flight in the entire airport in Munich. And when we asked what was going on, they said there was a volcano in no, in in Iceland no less that was spitting out little glass particles of a, glass ash particles right. and the airlines they were fr- afraid to fly right because it would clog their engines and uh, knock down their planes. And so. I'm saying, what the heck? We're down in Munich. Why? Why do I care what happened in Iceland? Well, and like so, the ash is actually a really important thing. Like so. If you're close enough and you're in direct proximity to that, even if you're not in, like, the basic avalanche-type mudslide that stuff can create, too, breathing that stuff in, it's like breathing in glass and, and concrete that yep. sets once it gets in your lungs. So, in all serious, from a, a medical standpoint, like, other – I mean, if you get covered in molten lava, you're beyond medical help, right? So, don't do that. But – What kind of things should people in Hawaii or, you know, the U.S. West Coast that live near some volcanoes as well? I remember St. Helens back when I was a kid. You know, what kind of medical concerns should they have uh, a means to deal with? Yeah, you know, we actually have in U.S. territory over 150 volcanoes that are considered active. Luckily, the definition for active means that they have erupted in the last 10,000 years or so. So, thank goodness, not uh, just a few are actual active active that you can actually see smoke or other issue, you know, other fire and lava coming out of them. But the important thing, of course, is number one, have a plan. Of course, gather your emergency supplies, at least a week's worth, uh, maybe two weeks worth if it's stuff that's hard to get, like prescription medicines. Uh, you definitely want to have, um, a vehicle kit that would have flares, booster cables, and pretty much just about everything that you can imagine to, because you may wind up spending a lot of time in your car just trying to get out of there. You're going to be probably in a group, a crowd of people that are trying to get out. So have yourself your sleeping bags, change the clothes, sturdy walking shoes, because indeed you may end up walking if your uh, engine gets clogged. Of course, You want to have your vehicles undercover, under tarps, until you actually have to go. Uh, your pets, you have to make sure you make a plan for your pets. Make sure your family knows where you're going to meet if something happens. If the authorities give an evacuation order, and you may not be together. And so it's important for you to always be sure to have a plan of action to get everyone in one place so you can all go now there are circumstances in which you cannot leave for one reason or another if you cannot evacuate well the truth of the matter is is that you're going to have to close and lock all your windows all the outside doors of course you turn off uh, your heating your air conditioning systems if you have a one of those fireplace dampers you got to close that too 
you make sure make sure you got a working radio a hand crank radio uh, is probably a good idea and make sure that you have an interior room somewhere that has a, a the least number of windows obviously and that's above ground level those are the things that the places that you're going to want to be if indeed you're stuck there and of course like i said N95 respirator mask goggles if you're going to have to be outside during uh, uh, an ash fall so that you can see what's going on. And by the way, wear glasses instead of contacts because the you could actually scratch your cornea with all the little silica ash uh, fragments that you know, may be raining down. Let me add to that. So with an ash fallout event, one of the things that people don't think about that, that definitely is a concern is that you can think that pretty much everything's over, and a lot of times these events, because of things that happen, kind of coincide with rain. Uh, that can give us basically mud avalanches. But the other thing it can do, especially on lightly pitched roofs, is a buildup of ash on the roof, and then you get a rain event. And that yeah. ash pulls all that moisture in and holds it in instead of running off. And you basically it becomes concrete. Yes, and, yes. It, and it collapses well, your freaking roof on top of you. Yeah, absolutely. If after the the event or even during the event, if you have to, you know, you have to clear off some ash in the uh, volcanic eruption of Mount Vesuvius that buried uh, the Roman city Pompeii, they figured out that a lot of people died simply because the roofs caved in because of the weight of the ash. So what a way to it's, go. It is a major issue. Also, and you're right about mudslides as well. There's a lot of if, in rain events. There's a lot of mud, and of course, you know, you're probably near a mountain. Uh, if a mountain that's been cleared of all of its greenery if it right. had been a long time since it erupted. Right, right. You know, it's all of that's gone, and what holds the dirt in place and keeps erosion from happening is the trees and all the grass and everything, and now that's been completely wiped away or just burnt. Right, we've done Not, not our... necessarily with lava, but just maybe, you know, burnt off from heat. Oh, and then you have the gas. We didn't even mention the gas. Oh, yes. that can come out of <laughs> Sulfur dioxide, uh, well, of course, superheated water vapor, uh, all sorts of hydrogen chloride, all sorts of nasty gases, of course, can end up uh, in your lungs and, and can kill you. So they're just a, a major... A major issue. I mean, you just the bottom line is to hit the road, Jack. I know, but hit the road, <laughs> Jack. Spear Get out, man. Better yeah. go, Joe. You ain't gonna tell me. I'm telling you right now. If there's ever a volcano in Texas, I'm getting the hell out of here. Oh well, you have to worry about Yellowstone. Is what you know. Oh, yeah. The rest of us all have to really worry about. I'm getting a big bottle of mead. I'm gonna sit on the roof and I'm watching Teotihuacan. Right? If Yellowstone goes, we're all done. I'm That's not, it. I'm not moving to Patagonia to save my skin. I'm nope. done. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. I agree. For people that don't know that Yellowstone, Yellowstone is essentially a flat caldera, what they call a caldera, which is Spanish for cauldron, where there's superheated gases and hot molten rock under the surface but, of what it appears flat. But it, I feel like every year they keep telling us it's bigger than we thought it was. Oh, it's actually bigger than we thought it was last time we checked. <laughs> So what happens to this, honey? Go ahead. Well, I mean, it last <laughs> erupted about 640,000 years ago, and it's supposed to be overdue. However, they so they think it's going to erupt soon. But when they say soon, these are geologists, remember, and so soon <laughs> for them is in the next 40,000 years or so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we might be okay, Jack. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do something about, and there's things that you... Just can't do anything about a, 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 an ancient volcano uh, caldera uh, with like a seven thirty thirty seven mile wide caldera. It, mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, you know, I we'll <laughs> see. I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sweat that. Uh, maybe thanks. my yeah. You know, let's let's go on some other stuff. Um, sure. Back earlier, at the beginning of this year, speaking of traveling, you guys went out to the shot show. How was that? And, you know, did you, were you able to kind of work anything out with people like Remington and Browning and Six Sour or anything like that? Well, I'll tell you, we had a little uh, booth there. So and and we had a little booth, but these guys oh my had gosh. Uh, buildings. They actually built three story buildings in the middle of this huge convention center. And they had I'll tell you, you you've never seen so many 
different firearms, exotic firearms in your life. Uh, there were very few, maybe just a few of us that were selling medical supplies. But the, the funny thing is that there was a lot of interest in our products, especially our bleeding control products, because, of, of course, all the stuff in the news with regards to active shooters and things like that. And so some people are a little nervous looking at us because they're worried if, you know, how do we feel about, you know, gun ownership. But we are very much in favor of it. It's part of the Second Amendment, part of what makes America great. And we actually met a lot of people, even from other countries, that were interested in in these Our products. Sake. So we have some... Some uh, definitely some relationships that are bearing fruit, and we're so we're the shot shot shows very positive. They they did have you know a few booths that were medical. I mean, a lot of them were gear bag places that also kind of said, oh well, we have these gear bags, so let's fill them up with some medical stuff. But you know, we were the one of the primary medical first aid, but that we were not alone, which was nice to see. However, nothing against the NRA. Here Uh-oh. that I'm about to say, Uh-oh. but I will tell you that an almost exact quote, and I could find the email and read it to you. I've applied three times to have a booth at the NRA. The last the time, NRA convention. No. Yes, the last time they wrote me back and said that my category does not match nor fit with the NRA, and they basically said that they will fill their booths up with people who are related to the industry and that we are not related to the firearm industry. That was the email. Well, I mean, we are... It's a little upsetting. We are medical. We are medical. But but, it's first aid. But it's probably useful stuff, and we have a lot of range owners. You know, a lot of things come down to the way you phrase things. You know, so if you were marketing yourself as trauma kits or something like that, it might be that you would be far more likely I did. to be accepted. Okay, well, then I don't oh, know. Oh, I totally is. did. No, I have bleeding kits, gunshot kits, everything. No, um, no, no, no. You, your, your main line, like, what do you call yourself, right? Because, you see, the job of a screener, people don't get this, whether it's for a job or a convention or whatever, if you have more than you need, is to get rid of people. So... If that first line isn't something that hits me, then I don't even read the rest. When we when we did the farm up in West Virginia and we initially applied for insurance and they said, well, what is your business? We said permaculture farms and design and nobody would touch us. So then we resubmitted with organic farming and design and no problem. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that could be it, but. I don't know. We should call what's his name, the new president there, Oliver North, and tell him what the hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ollie. What the what the hell, indeed? Well, I mean, I, the good news is that you know we have gun range uh, <laughs> owners that uh, patronize uh, you know our stores. Oh yeah, and, churches, and, you know, churches, schools. schools. So uh, there are a lot of people that do consider our type of product a important. Lot of hunters. You know, people that are at risk for. Injuries, either you know, accidental or in the path of uh, some uh, disgruntled person. So, <laughs> and hopefully know. they'll never have to use it. That's right. I'm actually redoing the kits that I sent to uh, Orange County uh, El Medina High School two years ago. They're sending them back so I can update everything for them, and I'm actually putting a a newer Sealox, uh, a better product in there, product. They, a new right gauze. one of their new products. Yeah. Uh, which is a bigger gauze, so I'm really happy about that. But we do have these in a lot of um, public places just in case. you know. So we're really about, and it's not just the kids. With the education, especially we've done with churches, we do free we- webinars for the people who attend the church if they want to come, you know, whatever day is convenient for them. And we do a bleeding class, and so we show them on video, live video, how to use the products that are in these kits so they don't feel uncomfortable about them. Uh, I know we're not there with them, but we show them and we let them ask questions, and it's very interactive. So, you know, I, we, uh, I do have the kits, but our big focus for us, Jack, is education, and I, I just want the people who are listening to understand that we're here to help. You can email us, drbonespodcast at aol.com, anytime. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we actually sent to the uh, 
a superintendent of schools in Broward County, which is our, our home county, actually, the Parkland High School shooting occurred just a few miles from where we live. And we sent uh, first aid bleeding control kits to every member of the school board of the county, the superintendent of schools, the principal of that high school. And we received the phone call back the the next or a couple of days later saying, hey, we got to send you these back because you didn't register as a lobbyist. <laughs> And here we were giving free. Like, lobbyist, we were lobbyist giving what? Right, we were giving free. I mean, not cheap. Uh, lobbyists, you know, bleeding uh, control uh, kits. You know, to all these guys, so they can take a look just and so see they what's knew going they on. Existed. Put up, use them as use them as they need them. They're they're absolute gift. Or find sure someone enough, else to make them. Sent, I don't care. Sent them back, and we're actually almost ready to, you know. Disciplinary action. See, and you guys wonder why I'm an anarchist. I know. I, wow. Did no good comes from the state? None. Right no. there. You give them free medical equipment, they send it back, and they threaten you. Yes, they yes. did threaten us. Yeah, they uh, said, they, and, you know, they hopefully, me. hopefully we'll, we won't have to register you as a lobbyist or make you go through, and there were about eight different steps in order to be considered uh, a lobbyist, not, not something we don't even want. And by the way, to become a lobbyist, I just want to put this bureaucracy out there, I would have had to go to each member of the school board and ask them if, it, if I can be a lobbyist for them. Then they would have to sign a piece of paper agreeing that I could be a lobbyist for them in order for me to actually tell them what I sell and what I have. Yeah. So I, you can't pitch yourself until they agree to even speak to you. But you can't speak to them until they agree for you to speak to them. The only you understand reason, that wheel yeah. I'm on there? And the only reason that it turned out <laughs> no, to No, I not don't. Speak, That's why I don't get on that wheel. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> that wheel's and, awful. It's, wheels are for hamsters and gerbils, not Amy's. <laughs> exactly. That's why I right. got the heck off. I said, give me my kits back. You'll never hear from me again. Well, don't worry. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what happened is that the only <laughs> reason... Kiss my grits. <laughs> the only reason we didn't wind up having to do a whole lot of paperwork is because, according to the person that called us, that thank goodness... That nobody actually opened the boxes. Right. <laughs> so oh, they had no, no idea what was in the boxes, but the boxes arrived and they had a mental meltdown. <laughs> Unbelievable. So let me real quick, just kind of backing up, you mentioned hunters. And here's an example of why a hunter should always carry a, a, a decent kit. Fortunately, nothing actually happened, and I will never end up in this situation again because I never even thought of it. I was out bow hunting when I was like 17 years old. And I had hiked way back, and I was about four miles from of my vehicle. And I shot this deer. It's you know pitch dark. I find the deer, and deer's dead. I start gutting the deer. And when you gut a deer, you kind of open the, the the belly cavity open, and then you deflate the diaphragm, and you go up in, you grab the uh, the windpipe from the inside, and you slit that, and then everything just kind of comes out. So you stick one arm up in there to get a hold of the windpipe and then the other arm up the other way, being careful with your knife, you don't cut yourself. And when I stuck my left arm up to get the windpipe, I felt something kind of rub my forearm. And I thought, hmm, that's strange. I should stop. So I did. And I thought, there's really no reason there'd be a bone there. And I went, oh, you dummy. And I reached with my arm very carefully. And what it was, it was the broken piece of the arrow shaft Oh boy! That had rubbed across my forearm, so it didn't do any damage because the broadhead was turned the other direction. Oh! So the arrow had gone in the deer, broken off, tumbled around in the lungs. Wow! So a four four razor blades are sitting in there, and I'm sliding my arm up in there. Okay, that oh. that's something that you have to be aware of, but that can always be something that happened. I've seen deer. We found deer with broadheads in them from other hunters that survived a shot. Right, so there's like that's an example. Like people always think when you go hunting, you could get shot, you could cut yourself with a knife, you could sprain an ankle. Well, the, the whole point is you don't know what you're going to do. It's going to cause a bleeding injury. Four miles with a serious cut in your forearm with no means to fix it—that's a problem. Right, man. You know, far so, away and not and in the midst of the backcountry where you might it's hard even, to get out. Well, not only that, get out, but you might not even have cell phone service. That's 
something that well, a lot me, of people... Trust me, at that time, I didn't have cell phone service because there, there wasn't no cell phones. I'm old. Right. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, right. But, but today... So that was we, when I was 17, right? Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. It was like, what, 80 years ago or something? something? Like yeah, that. yeah. I'm just kidding. Ten, a, 10 years. 10 years, young Jack. Guy, young guy. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the point is... You know, you don't have to be terribly far away from human beings to be out of touch if you don't have cell phone service. There, That's there's, all there's it takes. There's a place two miles down the road that for a couple hundred yards you're out of cell phone service. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like it's, it, it's yeah. So, I mean, you have to be able to, you know, deal with situations when you don't have support. It's not always about the shit hitting the fan. Sometimes it's about the shit hit the fan for you. Yep. Uh, you know, and if you know, when you think of a forearm, there's a lot of different spots in there where you got a, you know, a, a, a fairly significant blood vessel or even a tendon or something like that. I mean, you know, so it, it could have been lights out, honestly, but um, <laughs> that's the type of thing that we need to be thinking about on a day to day basis. I have a, a lady that wrote me a testimonial that took one of uh, Frank Sharp Jr.'s uh, courses on medical, you know, rendering first aid for gunshots. And he gives everybody a, uh, you know, some quick clot and stuff like that, and uh, what do you call it, uh, Israeli bandage, right? Mm -hmm. And they were out, and then their kids were digging stuff out of a dumpster at some baseball game or something like that. Thing came down, gashed the kid's head open. They used the same techniques that they had just learned and the, the supplies they got from Frank to deal with this gash in his kid's head. So... I don't care if you're bleeding because somebody shot you or somebody stabbed you or, you know, you fell on a tent spike while you were camping. <laughs> Bleeding's bleeding. Hemorrhage is hemorrhage. You have to be able to deal with it. That's right. It can be a kitchen knife when you're making dinner. It could be a chainsaw when you're out cutting trees down. It can be an axe. I mean, a lot of these things could just be kitchen accidents. Right. And if you get a, a cut or, or a transection of an artery... A major artery, certainly within just a few minutes. You heard of the golden hour, which means, which states that if you don't get somebody to medical, that's significantly injured uh, to medical help within an hour, their survival rate decreases rapidly. Yeah. Well, uh, with an arterial bleed, it's probably the platinum five minutes. It just takes a few minutes for you to be beyond help if something really gets through to a, a significant sized artery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, when you were out at SHOT Show, what type of kits were you, you know, kind of showing off out there? Were you teaching well, them how to pull teeth, you know? Or? <laughs> we have kits like that. We actually have kits like that. You know, we have the long-term survival kits. Uh, but uh, basically, everything was geared towards bleeding control. So, we wanted to make sure that uh, gun range owners had options with regards to uh accidents that may, or mishaps that may occur we wanted to make sure that outdoorsmen had the ability to have something compact let's say we wanted to make sure that law enforcement had something that would fit on their belt uh, and we wanted to make sure that churches and schools had multi-person kits in case of a large event in which there's several people that needed help so we had some kits there that had three or four tourniquets each and three or four uh, blood clotting bandages each, either quick clot or sea locks, and I, it, it was a, it was a good mix. We even uh, just for the ooh and ah factor, we put our Stomp Supreme, which is our kit that can handle multiple episodes of uh, of life threatening bleeding at one time. But it is basically a sort of community medic kit for times of trouble we put that one out and everybody thought that was awesome so i mean people we had a really good response to our products and i think that uh, it opened the eyes of some people to well maybe i need this kind of kit right at my gun range or on myself or in my shop absolutely and we're going next year again yep. so that's exciting yeah and we got moved closer to the front yeah. <laughs> They put the new booths way in the back. People are exhausted by the time they get there. Now we're like right by the registration. I mean, so I, there are literally thousands of thousands, exhibitors. Thousands. Yeah. Well, it's well, like it's three like or four, four floors. floors. Yes. Oh, it's it's crazy. insane. Yeah, it is. It is insane. Do not absolutely women nuts. don't wear heels. <laughs> yeah. You gotta wear good walking shoes. <laughs> 
So let's talk a little more about uh, you know bleeding kits and things like that because that is one of the the main causes of people dying uh, while being transported to or while waiting for medical help. There's uh, there's actually a few others that are leading causes, but that's one of the you know hemorrhage is one of the biggest ones. So how should people be prepared for that? Well, I'll tell you that there are a number of items that should be in any good bleeding control kit. And uh, you would start off, of course, it would be great to have gloves so that you could protect your hands and protect uh, uh, the person who has wounds that you're going to be sticking your hands in. And uh, you need something that would allow you to expose the wound. The only circumstance in which you don't uh, expose the wound, cut cut the pants leg off or cut the, the sleeve of the shirt off would be is if you're under fire yourself. And in those circumstances, you you just go right to a tourniquet and you put it high and tight. But uh, if you can expose expose the wound area so you can see, there may may obviously be more than one wound too. You know, or entry wounds and exit wounds, or more than one uh, injury. Well, a bandage, scissors, or an EMT shears is something that's definitely what you're going to need. Now, the second thing I'm going to recommend is a good tactical tourniquet, something like a cap tourniquet or a soft tea tourniquet. Um, there are new generations of each, and uh, these tourniquets are excellent. They're used by the military uh, and they're ta- uh, recommended by the Tactical Combat Casualty Care Guidelines. And these are good, in my opinion, because you can put them on yourself. I mean, basically, take you can you, you can have one arm blown off, and you can put the uh, with the remaining hand you can put on one of these tourniquets on the stump of your bleeding arm. So uh, something like that is always necessary. I would recommend having a couple of those. Then there's another tourniquet called a SWAT tourniquet, S-W-A-T, not because SWAT teams necessarily use it a lot, but uh, the instructions are the name, SWAT, stretch, wrap, and tuck. And this is essentially a big, huge rubber band, and it it works well to – to clot off bleeding, I think it's a better secondary tourniquet because I think it's more of a two-handed tourniquet, and uh, it's but it's really versatile in that at a certain level of tension, it's uh, you know you stretch this rubber band as you go around. Basically, you wind up having tourniquet level pressure. Uh, if with a little less, you have Israeli bandage uh, type pressure like a pressure dressing and if you have an orthopedic injury then it's something that might be able to stabilize a splint you know you can connect uh, attach a splint to it and it will hold it in place and so this is a a really compact item inexpensive item that is is a great secondary tourniquet you should always have a couple of the military tourniquets a couple of these i think if you're going to be out and about in the back country and You'll be able to handle things, I think, very well. If, you, if also you have something like Sealox or Quick Clot, a, a good blood clotting bandage, these things work. These are two different products. They work differently, but both of them, if you go on YouTube, you can see demonstrations which they take a scalpel on a live, put it on a live pig, go right in there and cut the femoral artery, one of the main arteries that leads to the legs, and that's in the legs, and just watch it. For 90 seconds, they watch it bleed. And then, after that, they open up a quick clot or a C-Lox, and they pack the dressing and apply about three minutes of pressure, and it stops the bleeding, which is pretty amazing considering that a lot of clotting factors, you know, pour it out as with the rest of the blood. So it, it's pretty amazing that it does function. Uh, our kits, off, uh, most of our kits have uh, vented chest seals for for chest wounds, of course, you know, if you, you're shot in the chest, you can easily deflate a lung. And so these have both entry and exit chest wounds. We have also compressed gauze, vacuum pack gauze that uh, is about two by three inches and weighs next to nothing, but stre- folds out when the vacuum is released to about 12 feet long by four and a half inches. So uh, a, a lot of good things, of course, uh, clamps to clamp off bleeding, um, Solar blankets to or mylar blankets to uh, keep heat in. You know, people that are in shock they lose heat very quickly. Uh, of course, we have face masks and antiseptics and things like that. But uh, these are some of the things that I think are most important. We have a lot of other things. We have airways in our kits. We have decompression needles in our kits. But if you have some of the things that that a I just mentioned, you probably really handy right. Too. We mentioned that. Yeah. Yep. 
Now, this is a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff here that we're talking about. So, what would you advise the person who is going to maybe get one of your kits or put together something like it with all these different things and learning how to use all this stuff if they're not able to get to one of your trainings? Like, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, here's the example. You mentioned Stomp, right? So, there was this pretty cool med kit that Cheaper Than Dirt used to sell. It was a Stomp hospital kit. And a buddy of mine from high school started listening to my show way back in the day. We're talking like 2009. And he, he emailed me one day, and he's like, here's all the things I did. And he, he bought this stomp kit. And I'm like, dude, you flunked biology. Like, you know, I, I don't even think you understand how to put a Band-Aid on. Like, so to me, like, he was, he was buying something he really didn't have the expertise how to use. He was an extreme case. This guy, I really don't know how he made enough money to buy that kit. He's that unskilled at everything. But, like, how does the person, you know, gain the knowledge? Like, when I was in the military, we had certain, you know, gear that we used for response, and we would train with it frequently. Um, how, does it, how does the average person address that? Well, it, you would have to be a person that didn't have access to a computer to not be able to access our specific education on bleeding control. We have... Uh, Videos on YouTube, our channel is called DR Bones Nurse Amy. We probably have 200 videos, of which a number of them are related specifically to bleeding control, including yep. a demonstration of one of our earlier generations of bleeding kits um, in a uh, simulated action setting. So you'll see that, and we also... Right, Joe's the victim. I'm the victim. I didn't yeah. actually shoot him, <laughs> yeah, but, but, she felt like it. but it looks like he got shot, because I did yeah. a really good job on the fake blood. <laughs> So it looks real, and I have some scary music playing, too. So that's it. I mean, so basically you would have to be someone who lives on the top of a mountain, a mount, top of Mount Kilimanjaro, or someplace that just does not have any Internet to not be able to access many articles, all in plain English, absolutely free, uh, with regards to bleeding control from, from our website, videos from our YouTube channel. Of course, we have our book which talks about it in detail, but it's good to see these things in action, and that's why we have them in videos. Very cool. Um, where are you going to be in the near future? What resources uh, you know, might you have for our MSB in regard to these kits, things like that? Well, you know that we have uh, an entire line of kits for them to check out. It's store.doomandbloom.net. We freely publish the contents of each one of these kits. You don't have to buy our kits price these things out and see what makes sense for you. If you can put together a kit that makes sense for you uh, at, at a discount, great. If not, you have a kit here made by a doctor and a nurse practitioner. Who that, seriously thought about what injuries you exactly. were going to have in that particular situation. <laughs> That's right. I mean, lots of thought. You know, I, I really worry about you sometimes, Amy, about how much thought you put into people's injuries. When you started talking about, like, things that people could get cut with, you sounded like uh, that redheaded chick that dated Raj <laughs> in, uh, in Big Bang Theory. It was all a horror oh, yeah. movie. She's like, it could oh, be yeah. a chainsaw. It could be a knife. <laughs> It could be an axe or a machete or something it like could that. Be, it could be a wine cork, uh, the open, not the cork, the opener, a wine bottle opener. Yeah. Those are really sharp. <laughs> well, I, I rotated through uh, a big inner city hospital ER, so believe me, I've seen a lot of those exact things. Right. It could be a piece of glass <laughs> anyway. Um, where, we're, where were we're we? also oh, going to be. Oh, where we're going to be? Yeah, Montana. Are you going to mention Montana? Right. We're going to be... Uh, at the National Wilderness Medical Conference, uh, and that's going to be late June uh, to no. July 1st. Yeah, July 28th. Uh, June 28th to July 1st. No. Or no, July 28th to August 1st, sorry. Yes. And, July. and that's in Big Sky, Montana. We're going to be there. We're going to be putting together classes we got to in decide. South Florida. We're going to have yeah. dates coming up for that. We have uh, uh, also uh, probably in Bozeman, Montana, we'll be doing an individual class uh, Around the end of July, eight-hour, one-day, day-long class. We have a book uh, that I'm close to finishing on the use of antibiotics in survival uh, settings, and uh, he's in crazy talks, book mode. Uh, yeah, talk, <laughs> yeah, talking <laughs> type, about type, also type. You're right, in infectious disease and things like that. So oh, we really? always have a lot of things going on. Also, uh, we'll have a class mm. on October 20th in Tennessee. By the Smoky Mountain National Park, I think on the 20th. I've got it separate. Uh -huh. I have a group. Is that in Kodak? Kodak yeah, I have a group that specifically <clears throat> asked me to put that on. So I allowed their 
members of their group to decide. In fact, he just wrote me about two hours ago to tell me how many students they have. And then I'm going to open up the rest of the class spots to uh, anyone else who wants to take it. Right. If you have any groups there uh, out there in uh, your audience that want training, we are always open to, you know, to I'd like travel. to be able to drive there if possible, yes. but I have driven to Texas, so that opens up right. Texas. Well, we're not you dri- mentioned Tennessee. We have a few people in Tennessee, I'm telling <laughs> you, uh, more than a few. Uh, they're up in a place called Mahaler. They're, they're, I'd say they're quite a bit away from Galveston, but uh, I'm not Galveston. I'm some Gatlinburg. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a, a pretty big contingent of TSPers there. Absolutely. Well, if, well you if have a big contingent of TSPers everywhere. Jack. Everywhere, Jack. Jack. <laughs> you, know, you don't know how many times, and, and you know we travel. We've been traveling 12 to 14 cities every single year all over the country. I always, always have people, hey, I listen to you. And I'm like, oh, you listen to our podcast? Oh, I first heard you on Jack's show. (laughs) (laughs) So we appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to um, your loyal, loyal followers, Mr. Jack. Well, hey, I appreciate having you guys on. You're always a blast. We look forward to seeing you guys soon, too. We're going to... uh uh, meet up in Florida for a while uh, next yeah. month. We probably won't remember a lot of it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol, I see it well, flowing. Well, I think that's <laughs> I love, highly I, exaggerated. I, that, I uh, haven't been drinking. Claim. I haven't been drinking lately. I'm saving myself. But I, I, oh, I yeah. see the oh, for who? I see the margaritas in my future. It, it, it was like I think the last time we met up there, you, like my day two, Bones was like, you know, I'll mix my own drinks, Jack. I <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't drink. That's the thing. We have a designated well, walker. He walks around. Yeah, we're not driving anywhere. I promise. I have folks. to. I have to have them put their hands on each other's shoulders. You know. <laughs> you know. Okay, shoulders in front, hands on shoulders in front. We lead us right, back forward. to the hotel room. The, the, the question. The question is, Bones, are you going to throw about three or four hundred bucks in the ocean again to see if we can find it? Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. I remember that. That was yeah, insane. Had, I, had a, I had a bunch of money that in my pocket. Funny. And we were knee deep, or not uh, hip deep in the ocean, and sure enough, came out of my pocket. And so we saw the water. Some some dollar <laughs> bills. Fl- some dollar Dorothy bills floating by. It, it was like a hundred bucks. No. Mostly ones. I think Dorothy. No, it was several hundred dollars, and I think we found was almost it? all of it. It yes. was insane because there was some ones and some twenties, and yeah. you know you're loaded because you're a doc, so you had like some fifties yeah. and hundreds, and you know. You're out there yeah. making it rain in the ocean, and we're like, hey, what's up with your money? And you're like, I'm like, oh, it's gone, because it was like a rough ride. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dorothy's like, I found a 20. I'm like, there's a buck, there's a five. And I think we found all, I think when you figured it out, we found all but like 10 bucks. It was a treasure hunt, yeah, was and it was cool. actually it was really fun. fun. Yeah, it was cool. I'm not sure I'd do it again, <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> At least it wasn't your cell phone. Oh, <laughs> no. They don't, they don't work in the ocean. Oh, no, they're not happy there. I had to get a new cell phone yesterday. That was a nightmare. Oh. Oh. You know you can just buy those things online and they ship them to your house, right? But I needed it immediately. That's the problem with needing your phone for, like, business. Like, you can't be without it waiting for a shipment. Oh, I've been through that. I've been through that because you go down there like, well, see, if you wait until this day. Listen, I don't care. I just need a new phone. But, see, um, we have this one. No, 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 you're not hearing me. This right. is my business. I yes. need a new phone. Well, I, um, yeah. do you want to lease it? or do you, I want to buy a freaking phone. I have my right. credit card right here. Right. Stop talking. Go get my phone. Bring me my phone. Jack. Uh, well, um, you know, um, I was just trying to save you some get out of my face. Go get your manager. Right. Manager comes over. So what kind of deal can I do for you? This is the kind of deal you can do for me. Go get my freaking phone. Let me pay for it so I can leave this place. That's why I've gotten to where before I need a new phone, when it starts doing little weird things, I, I just accept it as a business expense. I should I have. go to the website. I buy one. They ship it to my house. I turn it yeah. on. I set it up. All my shit sinks, and it's all caught up. And, you know, then the, the, the old phone becomes like an iPad, I guess. Yep. Or whatever the hell they call it. What do they call <laughs> it? They don't even make them anymore. But the ones that look – what they used to call them? Was it an iPod? It was the next thing after oh, that. Oh, yeah. The iPod, well, the, no, the iPod was just the music. Yeah. 
Yes, that's it. Then they went those, to like it looked just like an iPhone, but it didn't have the phone feature. I don't even think they make those anymore. But if yep. you turn your phone off, it's what you have. Yep, exactly, exactly. You it have still works on Wi-Fi and all that stuff. You give it to the kid, she binges out on YouTube watching the One Little Finger <laughs> episodes, and oh my god. <laughs> So anyway, guys, hey, I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, I do look forward to seeing you guys next month. And tell folks, you know, all about all the resources you have. Because you have the YouTube channel, but you have the site, you have a podcast. Tell them every, everything they can get, Bones and Amy. All right. Well, the, the website, I just want to let folks know who may have visited before, the doomandbloom.net looks brand new. I brought it up to the 21st century. <laughs> it's actually mobile, mo friendly. mobile friendly mobile yay friendly. that took me a while so doomandbloom.net is the website over a thousand podcast articles we have our weekly survival medicine podcast right, on right. blog talk which yep, you can now also on land based radio KYH in, uh, near Sandy Utah the good thing about the new website is there's a nice little big space that says survival medicine podcast so very easy to find um, all of our Social media links are at the top. We've got Twitter right. at Prepper Show. We have a Facebook at Doom and Bloom. Um, uh, we have the YouTube channel is Dr. Bones, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy. And our other podcast is American Survival Radio. It's with Genesis Communications Live. It's a current events and political show, and it's on a number of land base stations throughout the USA. Right. <laughs> well, very cool, guys. Again, thanks for being with us today. You guys have a great day, and I uh, look forward to seeing you guys in, well, less than a month. That's right. Very Looking soon. Looking forward to it. Very soon. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, Jack. Thanks again for having us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. You're awesome. So, guys, that was a great show. It always is when I have Doc Bones on. Man, it's just a, a great time uh, to hang out together and learn some stuff. On that note, as uh, we wrap up today, one of the ways you can help support us that's, like, painless, like it doesn't really cost you anything that you weren't going to spend anyway, is when you're going to do some online shopping, go to tspaz.com first, T-S-P-A-Z.com. There you'll see all my reviews of items on Amazon. And, guys, when I, when I review something for Amazon, I own it. I spent my money on it. I bought it. I've tested it. I recommend it because I use it, and I think that's unique. I don't think there's a lot of people doing you know, review sites where that's always the case. I don't mean that the manufacturer sent it to me and I used it and put it in a box. I mean, I needed it. I went out and I found it. I used it for its intended purpose, and I said, this thing is a good thing. I am willing to recommend it to my audience and put my reputation next to it. Today's is one I use an awful lot. It's made by a company called DeVoice, D-A-V-O-I-C-E. It's a cell phone tripod adapter and Bluetooth remote control that works with your smartphones. This thing's so cheap, I was afraid it wouldn't work. Uh, it was $12.95, and uh, I'll tell you, when I saw that, I'm like, come on. And I was, what happened was I was looking for a tripod mount for my cell phone, and I do have a cheaper source of those if you just want that. If you just want a cell phone tripod adapter, email me today. Put TSPC in the subject line, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know the one I recommend for that. But this one comes with the tripod adapter, and I was looking for that, and I found this because of a little Bluetooth remote that basically just turns your camera on and off, either video or picture. It'll take a still picture or turn your video on and off. And I'm like, there's no way this can work for $12.95. But you know what? Amazon has a great return policy. I'm game. I'll try it. Works great. The only thing, the only problem I ever had with it before our cat Alice passed away, she used to attack the remote all the time, and I had to reach under the refrigerator for some reason. That's where she wanted it to be. Um, but other than that, it's always worked flawlessly for me. And uh, it's like having a person to turn the phone camera on and off for you. It's great for vlogging and stuff like that. Great for still uh, stuff. It's awesome. Now, not everybody's going to have a use for this, but if you if you would like an ability to put your phone on a tripod and then turn the camera on and off, twelve ninety five. I don't know a better way to do it. It works again flawlessly. Uh, you can check it out at tspaz.com. Again, if it's there, I own it, I use it, I spend my money on it, and I recommend it because it just works. Next up, let's talk about our song of the day. Today's song of the day is kind of cool, man. That's one I never heard of. I'm not r really familiar with a band called Muse, 
but I think I kind of like them. Um, they're a little bit heavier sounding than, than I really listen to anymore. They sound a lot more like, not exactly the same, but more like the music I used to listen to when I had long hair back in the late 80s and ran around in my, uh, my jacked-up Grand Prix and had my, uh, my Pioneer Super Tuner and my amplifier and my 6x9s in the back. That's kind of more where this sound is for me. Um, and I still appreciate it, but it's just not what I listen to anymore, which is why I have John Adam to get me out of my wheelhouse and bring these other songs to you. But the song is called Defector, and the concept of this song is that the machine programs you to support the things the machine wants you to support, which are namely hurting people and taking their stuff, warfare, all of the things that we're programmed to believe that we must participate in to be a good member of society. And those of us who have stepped out into the world of libertarianism, minarchism, anarchism, etc., we are defectors. I think we've made that word a bad thing, to be a defector. That's an awful thing. Well, what are you defecting from? In the new Star Wars trilogy, or trilogy, I guess it is, a new trilogy, but the new Star Wars movies, there's a guy that was a stormtrooper that defects. Is that a bad thing? Or is it a good thing for that person to defect against the Empire? That's kind of where this song is going. I think it's really cool. Now, here's the thing. It starts out with a portion of a speech by JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, where he talks about the role of secret societies in controlling mankind. Now, that speech is actually really amazing. I also do think the conspiracy community tends to take it a bit out of context. So in the interest of full disclosure, in today's show notes, I have not just a link to the song Defector by Muse, but the full version of that speech from John F. Kennedy in 1961, which I think fits perfectly with this song, but let's not cherry-pick what old JFK was really saying. But some of the things he was saying may have to do with him a few years down the line, you know, having part of his brain pan blown off, I'm just saying. With that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life, if times get tough, or even if they don't. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation, instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night, instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised.
we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent.